Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello and welcome to Designing and Developing 3D Immersive Experiences. Today I'm joined by Alan Longmuir from the Emerging EdTech team, and we're going to be talking about the IDEA framework. Hi, Alan. How are you today? Hi, John. Not too bad at all, thank you. Good. That's good. Now, can you just tell me a little bit about your role in emerging technologies and how that sort of intersects with teaching and learning? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, I, I look after a group called Emerging Technologies here at the university. Uh, we are largely a technology sort of research and development group, um, but we we actively go out and engage with various areas of the university around how technology, uh, you know, sort of approaching the industry. So, you know, the next sort of like three to five years um, can provide value uh, for how they sort of deliver their services. So, you know, we, we don't uh, deliver against academic research outcomes. We deliver, uh, so we work with the parts of the university to deliver against how the business can uh, deliver value to students, staff members, researchers, you know, the, the core business of the university. Uh, and where that intersects with teaching and learning is yep. where we engage with uh, groups such as yours, Joan, to yep. understand what problems you have or what opportunities you might be seeing, and then how those future technologies might be able to be used to, uh, to assist in that. Fabulous. So with that, um, with the different technologies that you bring to teaching and learning, I suppose, to solve problems, we were, Deakin University was recently awarded the Gartner Innovation Award for Teaching and Learning, and that was around your work around designing and developing 3D immersive experiences. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. So, um, Can yeah. you tell me more about that actual framework that you won the award for? Yeah, so um, IDR came from a I guess some early work that we had done uh, with different areas in the university around developing augmented reality experiences, you know, and, and our thought and, you know, from the uh, testing that we had done, we found that students, you know, when they're engaging with either 3D or uh, augmented reality or, you know, uh, sort of virtual uh, reality style content, rather than 2D content, they find it was much more interactive uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the learning experience is kind of rich from their perspective. Um, now, th those things were fantastic outcomes for us, but what we found was uh, producing sort of those experiences, they were largely one-off experiences. So we did, a, we did one for the heart uh, and we did one for uh, the eye and sort of like ocular cavity. And, uh, you know, once again, they were fantastic, but a lot of those assets are kind of hard to reuse then broadly. And if we want to go out and engage with another teaching area and for them to produce, you know, something equivalent, well, it was an entirely other project that you needed to build up, you know, and that's a lot of time, resource and money to do that. Yeah. So the, so the framework that you're referring to, the IDR framework, um, we thought it would, it would be a good idea, even if we weren't developing super premium experiences like that, if yep. we allowed the uh, you know, the academics or the, the design staff were involved in um, you know, developing the teaching and learning experiences. If we allowed them to create this stuff and be able to publish it out to students um, directly, you know, they'd be able to tell their own sort of like teaching and learning stories, for example, um, yeah. you know, because they know exactly what they want to deliver out to the students. Uh, so the intent was for the framework 
to allow them to produce and publish this content out to students, but not require, you know, highly technical skills in order to be able to do it. And for us not to have to go out to third parties and spend lots and lots of dollars, um, you know, building these experiences as well. So you mentioned it was about making an interactive experience so the students learn better, but also making it accessible for teaching and learning staff so that they didn't need the technical skills to actually produce 3D immersive content that we often associate as being highly complex and unable to actually create it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So the, the intent was to be able to leverage things like public 3D resources Yep. You'll know, be able to import those into what we called a, a producer application. Uh, you know, the academics uh, who are teaching can then, you know, manipulate that 3D content, tag it with, um, you know, little callouts in the 3D space uh, so that they could describe what each of the layers or the points are in that model. Yep. Um, attach teaching and learning content to that as well. So was it, why was it actually created in the beginning? Was it a problem come from the teaching and learning space that was highlighted or did you see the um, problem, foresee the problem, I suppose, of being able to do it themselves, teaching and learning stuff? So I, I guess the core opportunity originally came from teaching and learning area and that was about, you know, um, producing interactive uh, 3D content that was um, associated with particular teaching and learning areas they provided. And then probably the, the other major component of, of the framework, which was, well, how do we enable people to, you know, to, uh, I guess, quickly um, create these experiences and not require, you know, these uh, costly sort of investments in order to um, deliver each individual experience. That kind of came from our experience then where we, um, you know, we saw what was involved in, uh, you know, a project management and a delivery perspective to actually create these, um, you know, these singular sort of experiences. We, we wanted to have something that you know, academics could log in to, you know, there might be a catalogue of 3D um, models that they can use or they can purchase one from the web and just import that. Uh, but it's a platform that allows them to build up that content themselves and publish it out to the students uh, rather than having you know, uh, individual projects to deliver these very individual apps and experiences. Uh, so it was very much a mixture, I would say, of an original business problem. Basically what we saw as a problem of, uh, you know, cause during delivery. So you mentioned around uh, being able to create layers, essentially, so we can scaffold the learner experience. What were the biggest challenges associated with this idea framework? Well, there were, I guess, design challenges, and then there yep. were certainly technical challenges as well. Uh, I suppose something else we experienced during uh, our user experience testing as well was this is a, a space that maybe a number of academics really haven't may, maybe necessarily played in before. Um, uh, you know, so taking something from you know, maybe static sort of like 2D imagery or, or text-based descriptions and translating that over to a 3D interactive experience, you know, that, that in itself probably requires additional skills and knowledge you know, yeah. that we hadn't really thought about because, you know, our focus was kind of, well, how do we remove the, um, 
the technical requirements of, yeah, yeah, of being able to uh, produce this content. Um, right. And I, I guess there is, you know, we found during uh, UX testing as well, you know, just having 3D models and, be, and attaching labels and uh, learning content to those, yeah. that's, not, that's not delivery of a teaching and learning experience. No. You, know, you, you might want to have, um, you know, uh, basically be able to tell a story uh, yeah. you know, in a gradual progression, uh, you know, with that particular interactive experience as well. So, you know, our, our intent around some of that stuff is probably maybe as this builds in the future, Mm-hmm. Or we look at alternatives, um, you know, for this particular solution. That those uh, those approaches would be um, uh, built into that as well. Uh, and then, of course, from the technical perspective, we're playing in a space that largely um, uh, large technical providers like Apple and Google and Microsoft are playing in. Yeah. Uh, and finding the the correct technologies. Um, in order to be able to provide these experiences that are kind of reliable uh, and aren't going to be immediately changed on us in the future is a that's a big ask to be honest because it's the the technology in this space is advancing very rapidly changing very rapidly yeah so um, you know we we went with like an open source uh, based uh, technology mm-hmm. uh, to provide the uh, the technical infrastructure for it. And uh, that's the, the strength of that is it's allowed us to provide an experience that's purely web-based. It doesn't mean, it means that the academics and students don't need to download specific applications in order to be able to access or create these experiences. Um, and that took a lot of work. I can imagine. <laughs> so it sounds like it was a good experience from a teaching's perspective where they are able to scaffold, scaffold key ideas, tell a story, um, and build the complexity of different activities. Were you able to uh, see what the benefits were from a learner experience perspective with your UX testing that you completed? So we did do some um, testing with students in, in the School of Nursing and Midwifery. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in particular, there were uh, two examples there of sort of like the pelvic structure and also um with uh the heart as well and uh i mean the the basic feedback that we got back was it it was just much more interactive Mm -hmm. and allowed the students to um basically look at the gradual breakdown of layers where the uh you know the model sort of show skeletal structure muscular structure those types of things it provided uh i guess a much more intuitive view uh of of how those uh, biological systems are, are created um, but the, I think where we were maybe limited and, and you know, where we do want to explore in the future is very much that, that storytelling uh, perspective. So building on that, I mean, that was part of the feedback that came back was, you know, yeah, this is great because it allows us to sort of see how it's structured and interact with it. But, um, you know, where, they, where the academic or the students want to understand more advanced sort of um, insights into whatever that uh, teaching learn experience is uh it's it's a singular experience at the moment so um you know we we need to be able to build in something that you know gradually builds and as you say scaffolds on the uh week by week sort of uh teaching and learning that the students are doing they'd be able to tie in new ideas as they progress through the unit essentially 
That's right. So was there other, you've mentioned previously around um, artificial intelligence that was used as well. So the ability to ask questions, how did that actually work from a student perspective? So, so I think this, um, this was actually kind of a, a bit of a happy coincidence in a way. Uh, mm -hmm. We had been doing some work with uh, some natural language processing around, it was another teaching and learning concept actually, where we were taking standard sort of like uh, teaching and learning text uh, mm -hmm. and with a, a new sort of approach to machine learning, allowing students to basically query that text with any natural language that uh, you know they typed in. So just any random question that they typed in yep. related to that text, it kind of understood the text and would provide an answer to that student. Uh, and what we thought was, what, what would be great is the, the text that was attached to the, basically the 3D models. Um, if we could just basically use that text as the intelligence source for this natural language engine, um, and we built an interface into the IDR uh, front end, it would allow students to directly ask a question to the 3D model. And it then actually, it's actually looking at the background text that's associated with the teaching and learning content for that model, basically reviewing all of that and then providing, you know, what it thinks is the most confident answer to that, uh, that question. Um, so it actually came from another concept. Right. And we just thought, actually, that's probably a great thing to apply in here as well. Uh, so we just used the, uh, a very similar model uh, to provision that. Uh, and that, that actually um, uh, was a really great outcome. And, and I think it's something that, you know, we were kind of proud about because a lot of the yeah. work that's being done in the AR space there's not an awful lot of that sort of a direct AI integration into it at the, at the time being. And it reduces the teacher intervention as well, where the student can actually ask what they want at the time that they actually need it as well. I suppose that highlights the benefit of you working across different projects as well in the emerging tech space as well, isn't it? That you can actually leverage what you're doing in different projects for other projects as well. So they can come in hand in hand, which is fabulous as well. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, and we think that's kind of a core tenet of like yeah. the, uh, the innovation uh, side of things is, you know, uh, look at things a little bit differently and, and where yes. you see something successful in one place, might that be successful somewhere else? What's yes. a good reuse of that? Mm. Well, I know we've got both different lenses, even what the projects that we've been working on, and but it's nice to have that fresh set of eyes and a different perspective in any, in any case. So go back to the idea framework. What are you going to do um, to iterate it in the future, if anything, or is it just going to stay as it is for now? Well, I think uh, certainly things that we want to do are, mm. uh, you know, provide some flexibility, as we said, around how unit chairs can gradually evolve the content through, you know, the period, say, like a, a trimester, for example. So, um, you know, what does that look like from a unit chair perspective? But, uh, yeah, how the some scaffolding tools in that um, producer experience, certainly right. something that needs to be introduced. Yep. Um, uplifting the AI capability yep. in there as well. Uh, so that's more robust uh, would be something that we want to do. And then looking at integrations into things like uh, directly into the learning management system. So uh, this is, it is a web-based solution that we've uh, provisioned at the moment. Uh, so, so that's certainly, um, the ability is certainly there to do that, but we, we have to look at actually testing it within yep. the learning management system directly and see how that integration works. So you know, a lot of the work that we do in this space is about yeah, uh, 
early iterative pilots mm -hmm. um, to understand you know, the, the core things that we look at are, you know, is there solid user value uh, you know, in this particular concept? You know, are users, is there desirability there for users to want to use it? And is it providing them value? Is there business value? So is it actually resolving a problem you know, for the teaching teams um, or creating an opportunity for them or for the university to differentiate itself? And then the other component that we look at very much is yeah, the technical implementation uh, of these new technologies, because, you know, I mean, we work in emergent tech and everyone says to us, oh, you must have the best job in the world. And it is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It is really good. But um, what we do find is a lot of these new technologies are not as robust as you want them to be. So, uh, yeah, and, there's, and the problem is when you have, when you have issues, there's not that many people out there who can help you with them. So yeah. um, what we do is an assessment of how well can these scale up in an enterprise? Uh, yeah. yeah. Fabulous. Well, you do do a lot of work across the board and it's great to see these new um, emerging techs coming through and actually being using for the teaching and learning space. So I'd like to congratulate you guys again on the uh, award. That's fabulous. The Innovation Award for the Idea Framework. Is there any other comments that you'd like to make in relation to this project and um, what you, you worked on for this? Well, just, I mean, in terms of the award, I think certainly you know, the um, congratulations go to the team. Yes. Uh, you know, a very, I have a very, very passionate team uh, who absolutely love what they do. And, um, you know, their ability to, you know, not just look at things like augmented reality, but AI, internet of things, digital identity, they're across so many different um, aspects of new technology, but they jump right in. And, and, and I mean, I think that, you know, that collaboration that they have within the team and then how they go out and collaborate with the business we have it, really, that's kind of what leads to good things, good outcomes Absolutely. and rewards, I guess, at the end of the day. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we just want to continue to engage with the university to yeah. kind of support these new ideas and, and do exciting things. Thanks for highlighting the team aspect because I totally hear you. Nothing can be done without the team behind you and the collaboration that happens. So I think this is an example. The award is just an example highlighting the great work collaboration that goes on across the board. So thanks for joining me today and explaining what the idea framework is. And, um, yeah, good luck. My pleasure. Thank you, John. Thank thanks. you. See you. Bye.